If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're looking at the overall theme of growing up in Christ and, and what do we do to help mature ourselves as, as Christians. We talked about the fact that as human beings we go through different stages of growth. We, we grow, go through our infancy, we go through our childhood, our adolescence, our teenage years, our young adult years, and then finally our senior adult years, our golden years as some people would like to say. And I think the reason they call it that is because when you get to be a senior adult, you get to give somebody else your gold, amen? Because uh, that's when you should give all your gold to the doctors and to the tax people. But uh, that's, a, that's a whole other uh, subject. But we understand in our physical lives, we go through different stages, don't we? And the same is true with our Christian life. We start, we, we were born into this world physically alive, but spiritually dead. Uh, we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. Uh, we were born that way from all the way back to Adam. But not only for what Adam did, someone told me this week, uh, asked me, am I mad at Adam for bringing all this sin into the world? And I said, no, not really, because I did enough myself to, uh, to do the same thing. So I'm not so much aggravated at Adam as I am myself, because I too was dead in trespasses and sins for the things I've done, where I fell short of the Lord, and, and where I sinned, and you were that way too, and we were born again suddenly, when the Holy Spirit convicted, of, convicted us of our sins, helped us understand that we needed a Savior, that we couldn't save ourselves, and, and we were born again, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, what that means and what that involves. And then uh, we talked last week about one of the first steps and one of the first things that we do as a Christian is, is baptism. And we talked about the fact that baptism doesn't save us, but baptism is that step of identification. It identifies us publicly. We make a public confession, a public profession, that we belong to Jesus, that we are one of his. And we talked about how it is symbolic of the death and burial and resurrection, dying to our old man, dying to our old life of sin, and then being raised to walk in newness of life, to be raised to walk as a new man. Paul says in Colossians, he says, we put off the old man and we put on the new man. And that is what baptism is a picture of. Uh, but today we're going to go a step further and understand that when an individual is saved, when an individual is born again, they become part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start reading at about verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And then Paul goes on to talk about how different members of our bodies have different functions. Our feet and our hands and our eyes and our ears, they're all part of our body, but they all do different things. 
Our body would look kind of funny if all we had, if we had four ears but didn't have any eyes, or if we had six noses but we didn't have any hands or feet. God gives us different members in our physical bodies to help our body be complete. God does the same thing spiritually. When we are saved, when we are born again by the Spirit, it says in verse 13, for by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body. That's not, that baptism there is not water baptism, it's spirit baptism. When we are born again by the Holy Spirit, we are born into one body. Jesus calls that body the church. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my what? Church. That word church is the word ecclesia. It means a gathering of people. Uh, the word church in and of itself does not have to be religious. There are ecclesias all over town. There are gatherings all over town. Uh, as a matter of fact, they have a gathering quite often at the Lions Club, right? There'll be a gathering over at the rec center every morning that get people get together uh, to exercise. There, there, there are meetings, there are ecclesias all over. But what makes the church special and what makes the church different is that we are all one body in Jesus Christ. We are a spiritual body. We are a spiritual church. And when Jesus says, I will build my church, he meant that in a very general sense. It is people all over the world understand this morning that in its widest sense, in its greatest sense, the church is worldwide. Uh, for example, this morning we have brothers and sisters in Africa worshiping the Lord. They're Jesus followers just like we are. Their worship will look different. Their worship may sound different. The types of music may be different. As a matter of fact, when you go into the city and worship, quite often in the city, the type and style of worship would be different than we find in rural, uh, rural Tennessee. Uh, would you all agree with me? There's a difference in a little country church and a big mega church in, in Nashville. But they're all God's people. It's all God. They are just as much our brothers. Anybody this morning that has been born again and has trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are part of the body in a general sense. Does that make sense to everybody? But the church is also used in Scripture, and it's where I want to focus our time this morning. The church is used in a local sense. Uh, most of the New Testament letters, or many of them anyway, were written to local churches, and we're not going to read these passages. I just want to give them to you. You can look later. 1 Corinthians 1.1 1, 1, Paul, when he wrote the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians, he wrote it to the church at Corinth. In Galatians 1.1, Paul wrote to the churches at Galatia. In Ephesians 1.1, Paul wrote his letter to the church at Ephesus. Philippians was written to the church at Philippi. Colossians was written to the church at Colossae. Thessalonians was written to uh, the church at Thessalonica. They are local groups of people. What I'm talking about is Old New Hope Baptist Church. Uh, we could very well say that all believers in the city of Fairview, that is more of a local church than believers worldwide, right? We could take it worldwide, then we could take it American believers, and then we could say Tennessee believers, and then we could say Fairview believers, but we're going to break it down even further and say the church at Old New Hope. 
The church at Old New Hope is a local church in the body of Christ. We are one body made up of different Christians, different members. We have eyes and ears and feet and hands. We do different things. We have different gifts. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But I want us to understand what a local church is. Notice specifically the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 at verse 1. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Here in Philippians 1.1, we see the church, the local church, the church at Philippi, organized the way God intended a local church to be organized. First of all, notice that it says to the saints. If he were writing to Old New Hope, he would say to the saints at Old New Hope. Guess what? That's y'all. That's us. You say, well, I'm not a saint. Did you know if you're a born-again believer, you're a saint? We think of saints as super-Christians. Paul says in several of his letters that when you are born again, when you've been regenerated, when you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a saint. You're a church... You're, you're part of the church. It says the saints, the members. Uh, then it says the bishops. The idea of bishops are, are pastors, leaders. Uh, some churches have one pastor or elder. Some churches have many pastors or elders. But uh, the, the pastor or pastors, elders, bishops, they are members of the church. They are an office in the church. Deacons. Uh, deacons are the spiritual helpers of the church. One of these days we'll, and uh, not in this series, but we'll do a, uh, a lesson on what does God intend, uh, what are deacons. Uh, I've got a lesson I entitled, What's a Deacon and How Do You Get One? Uh, and we're going to look at that as well because at some point in time, I would like to see us have deacons here at Old uh, New Hope. And that, that's, that's a next step for us as a church in our, in our overall vision. But see how what Paul's talking to the church at Philippi. It had its leaders and it had its members. They made up what was known as the local church at Philippi. Well, as we look at this idea, I want to ask the question, what does a local church do and why should I be a church member? What I want to ask this morning is, if you're not a member of Old New Hope, why should you want to be? And if we are at Old New Hope, what are we supposed to be doing? If we're a local church, and we are, do we all understand that? Somebody says, what's the definition of a local church? I'll never forget. One of the first classes in Bible school was New Testament church, and Dr. Collie Caldwell said, a local church is simply a group of God's people that have joined together to do the things together God wants a local church to do together. And that's a pretty good definition of who we are and what it is we do. Well, what are some purposes of a local church? Why do we go to church? Somebody says, you know what? I can be a Christian, and I don't have to go to church. That's just between me and the Lord, and it's just our relationship. You know what? In a very strict sense, that's true. I can make a pretty good case that to not come to church is a sin. That, that's a whole other lesson. But I can say this. I suppose it's possible that you could be a Christian and not go to church. But, let me ask the question, 
Can you be married and not go home in the evening? You could, right? But what would that do to the relationship? If, uh, wives, if your husband didn't come home in the evening, for a minute you might be happy, amen? You know, you might be like, whoo, I don't, hey, I don't have to clean up his mess, I don't have to clean up his dirty clothes. But after a minute, wouldn't you get a little concerned as to where your husband is? And husbands, maybe for a minute if your wife goes out and has a girl's night, that's, that's good. That, that, that's a good thing. You should do things separately sometimes. But can I tell you this? If you're going to have a six, you can be married and not go home. But if you're going to have a successful marriage, you have to spend time with each other, right? You have to be with each other. You've got to work with each other. You can be a Christian maybe, I guess, in its strictest sense and not go to church. But that relationship with God and that relationship with each other, there are just some things we do as a local church that it's hard to do individually outside of church. And I am very thankful for technology. I'm very thankful for when we had COVID and for a little bit, a couple of months there, we weren't able to come together as a group. I am thankful that we have Facebook Live. We're still doing Facebook Live. Uh, we have folks all over the country watching our Facebook Live. Uh, and that's a good thing. But a danger of it is we get used to watching Facebook Live when we don't come to church. And so... Now, we are blessed here at Old New Hope. We pretty much have the same crowd that's come back after COVID that we had before COVID. We even have a few more than we had before COVID. A lot of our churches, a lot of our sister churches are dealing with a lot of folks that just haven't come back, especially in our big cities. Uh, so it can be dangerous because there are just some things that you can't get watching Facebook Live. Well, what are some of those things that we are supposed to do? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. If you remember from our Acts study, we know that on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the church was established. Early in Acts chapter 2, the apostles and disciples are in an upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait till the Holy Spirit came upon them. And when the Holy Spirit did come upon them, they would be his witnesses with power in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Well, the first part of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And when they started speaking in tongues, the disciples and apostles did. And it drew a crowd. Uh, there was a great big, it sounded like a windstorm. And even today, if uh, we were here this morning and all of a sudden we heard just like a big, it sounded like an explosion right outside, wouldn't we run to the window to find out what it was? And we would, we, that's so we had people that got together. Well, what's that noise? What's that racket? What's this that's going on? And Peter, being a preacher, has a crowd. He starts preaching. And he starts preaching about Jesus and he starts preaching to these same folks that 50 days ago they have, they crucified Jesus. Now Peter says to them that Jesus has sent his Messiah and you missed it. Jesus has sent his Messiah and you killed him. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse uh, 36. 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Y'all, that's the central point of the gospel. That's the central belief in Jesus, that Jesus Christ is indeed the Christ. Jesus Christ is indeed Messiah. Jesus Christ has risen. He's the Savior. Peter says, you guys not only missed it, you killed him. By the way, this is that same Peter that 50 days ago denied Jesus three times. Remember that? We talked about that in a sermon a while back. Something's happened to Peter in the last 50 days, and what's happened to Peter is he's got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives him boldness to speak to these same folks he was afraid of 50 days ago. He doesn't care anymore. He's just going to preach the gospel. And look at the result in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what do we do? We've crucified Messiah. Is there any hope for us? Is there any help for us? Peter said, repent and be baptized for uh, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many words, verse 40, he testified, exhorted, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And, and that day there were 3,000 souls that were added to them. And notice verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Here this church of Jerusalem is growing. It starts with 3,000 people. 3,000 people are receptive to the gospel message. The, God calls 3,000 souls to himself, to Jesus Christ that day. Well, what did they do after they got saved? Look at verse 42 beginning. And they, that's the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Well, what does a local church do? We have a good example of that right here in these verses. First of all, in verse 42, it says, Those who were saved, that church in Jerusalem, they were baptized in verse 41. We talked about that last week. And then in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Well, what does this mean exactly? And notice that doctrine is important. Of all the things it says here, and we'll talk about fellowship and, and prayer, doctrine is put first. That is truth. One thing that the local church is supposed to do, and one of our functions as a local church is, to, is for us to be built up in the apostles' doctrine and the apostles' truth. You say, well, what's the apostles' doctrine and the apostles' truth? It's right here. It's in God's Word. If there is a local church you're attending and visiting and they're not, their sermons and their teaching is not based on God's Word, you need to leave. Because a local church, the, the first primary thing that the local church is to do is to ground its members in truth, ground its members in doctrine. Now, there's some folks that have gotten so grounded in truth and doctrine 
that they haven't learned how to love each other. Uh, not only do we have to believe right, we have to love right too, right? We have to live right. But that doctrine is first. And then notice, not only continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, continue also in fellowship. The word fellowship in Greek here means to share together. It's the word koinonia. It means to share, to, to, to take notice at the end of this chapter. They sold their, those that had land sold it. Those that had stuff sold to be sure that the poor members of the church could be taken care of. They helped each other. They shared together. Now, I don't know about you, but if I mention a church fellowship, what's the first thing you think of? Food, right? Chicken, right? We're Baptists, so we think of fried chicken when we think of fellowship. And that is certainly part of fellowship. But you know what else is fellowship? I watched this morning as you guys came into the church building. And y'all were talking with each other. You were shaking hands with each other. You were, some of you were hugging each other. You know what? That's fellowship, right? It's sharing together. Well, what are you sharing? Sharing a greeting. Sharing a how are you. Sharing I'm glad to see you. You know what? The highlight of my week, the highlight of my day is when I get to wake up every morning next to Marie and I come home to her every evening. That's the highlight of my day. Now, in between, I go to work and I'm glad to see my guys at work. But there's just something about when I come home that just makes everything right. The highlight of my week is when I see you guys on Sunday morning. If I'm not here for whatever reason, I miss you. I promise when I was in the hospital, I thought about every one of you. And not only that, I prayed about you. You say, well, why did you pray about us? Well, when I was in the emergency room, the TV didn't work. <laughs> and so I figured I better pray because they said I might be having a heart attack. So I was a little bit nervous. Because they never told me that before when I went to the hospital. And you know what? The craziest thing happened. When I was praying to the Lord, I was praying, you know, Lord, be with me and be with the doctors. But all of a sudden, that prayer shifted and I started thinking about you guys. And I started praying for all y'all. That's sharing together. That makes... You can watch Charles Stanley on TV and you'll hear good preaching. There are a lot of good preachers. David Jeremiah, there's a lot of Adrian Rogers, there's a lot of good preachers on TV and on the radio. And you can get good teaching, but you know what you can't get on the radio and TV? You can't get a hug from your brother and sister or shake hands with your brother and sister and say, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Or if you see a brother or sister upset and crying, put your arm around them and say, what's wrong? Can I help? And it's a chance for somebody to unburden themselves and we listen. Y'all, why should you be a member of Old New Hope Baptist Church? Because we're a family. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. So the Apostles' Doctrine, the Apostles' Fellowship. Notice what else. And by the way, chicken's okay too. Uh, we'll, we'll start here in the summertime having some of our, 
our fellowship meals again. A couple of folks asked me about that here recently over the last couple of weeks. And uh, we had everybody been a little bit sick and down, so we had stopped doing that for a while. But we're going to start that pretty soon because we like chicken, amen? And uh, and you can you can learn more about somebody sitting around a table with them than you can worshiping with them. So there's just something about sitting at a table next to somebody or across from somebody and sharing with them and talking with them. But not only the apostles' doctrine, not only do we as a local church fellowship with each other, we also continue steadfastly in breaking bread there in chapter 42. Sometimes in the book of Acts you see breaking bread is talking about meals. This time it's talking about communion. And one of the things is something you can't get on TV, but one of the reasons why you ought to join the local church and you ought to be part of your local church is because periodically we take what we call communion, the Lord's Supper, where we remember that memorial, the death that Jesus made uh, for us on his cross. Remember at the Last Supper, Jesus told his apostles he wanted to share this supper with them, and he said he wouldn't take it again until he took it with them in the kingdom. One day we'll have communion with Jesus in the kingdom. But one of the things we do as a local church, one of our ordinances that's a big preacher word. We have two ordinances at, at Old New Hope Baptist Church. One is baptism. Ordinances is just something we do as a church and we practice. That's baptism is one. The Lord's Supper communion is the other. We used to do communion uh, quarterly. Now we do communion monthly. Some of us thought that it was something that's more important. We ought to do it more often than just quarterly. Uh, and so we do it the first Sunday of the month. Next Sunday, Lord willing, will be a communion Sunday. That's something you can't get on TV. And that's something that's a blessing. It's a blessing because not only do you remember the Lord's sacrifice, it's a blessing that we get to take the Lord's Supper together to show that we are part of God's body. And we are part of Christ's body. Jesus Christ is our head and we take communion. But then notice what he says in verse 42 also. Apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. We need to be all about praying. Uh, we try to use our Wednesday night time for prayer. Uh, here the last month or so, we haven't had a lot of Sunday night services. We've had some uh, weather issues. We've had some sickness, and we haven't. Uh, I think one week I had to work and wasn't able to get here. Sometimes we struggle to have that Wednesday night meeting. But we need to have it. It's prayer time. The greatest thing, now hear me. If you haven't heard anything, I know you heard the chicken part. But if you haven't heard anything else today, understand that the greatest, single, most important thing you can do for our church at Old New Hope Baptist Church is to pray for her. To pray for the leadership, to pray for uh, our musicians, to pray for our teachers. We have two or three folks set aside that have, are willing to teach Bible classes when God brings us children that need to have Bible classes. We've got some that are growing up, and we hope to bring them up in, in, in Bible class. Have you all noticed uh, when you drive around subdivisions being built? And I know we don't like a lot of that. We hate seeing the, we hate seeing the traffic. I know yesterday, going through Fairview on Saturday is a challenge. And I've got a feeling it's going to be a bigger challenge. But do you know what comes with those subdivisions? It's people. And it's families. And those folks are going to have children. 
And those folks are going to have kids, and we need to be ready to get our classrooms rocking, and we need to be ready to get our nursery rocking. We need to be ready, and we need to be praying that God will send us folks, and we need to be getting out, and when these folks get moved in, let's go meet them. Let's introduce ourselves to our neighbors. Let's be a good neighbor. We have a blessing here at Old New Hope. The fact that we are not on the main drag in town, we are in a community. Uh, And a lot of the people in this community, uh, even though they may not attend, they think of this as their community church. Uh, I've got a friend that preaches at the, the Church of Christ. My sister's best friend, her husband, is the preacher up there. And for this community of New Hope, right around here, we are the churches that minister to these people. And I, and I really do look at us that way. And there are subdivisions that are coming right by us that we really need to take care and minister to. And the best thing to, where that starts, and all the outreach programs are wonderful, we need to do it, but it starts with prayer. We can have all the outreach in the world, but if we do it under our own power, it's not going to be successful long term. It's got to be under, we need to be praying. Praying is the greatest thing that we can do. But you know what else we need to do as a local church? Look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Getting backwards here. Galatians 6, verse 2. Now Paul wrote, keep your finger in Galatians 6. Look at Galatians 1, 1. This is so I'm not making it up. Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who were with me, to who? To the churches of Galatia. Paul's writing Galatians to the local church and the churches. Galatia is a region like Middle Tennessee. And so there would have been a lot of churches in that Galatia area. And they would have, one church will get the letter and they'd send it to the next church. It would be a circular letter going to all these churches. So in Galatians 6 verse 2, Paul tells these churches, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Another thing that we need to do as a local church is to bear each other's burdens. This church is very, very good at calling and checking on how people are doing. Uh, But when when our folks cry, we need to cry with them, right? When our folks are struggling, going through a hard time, we need to put our arm around them and go through it with them. Uh, We need to do more than say, say, Brother Sam, he's having a hard time. Brother Sam, how are you doing? Well, I'm uh, getting ready to go have surgery on Thursday, and I'm really worried about it. It's heart surgery. You know, I'm kind of, I'm 80 years old, and I'm sort of afraid that when uh, I go to sleep and they put me to sleep, I'm kind of afraid I might not wake up again, and I'm really worried about it. If we're not careful, what we do is, well, Brother Sam, I'll be praying for you. Have a good week. And it's good to pray for Brother Sam. We ought to do that. But you know what else we ought to do? We ought to sit down and talk with Brother Sam and say, is there anything I can do for you? 
do you need me to do anything at your house while you have your surgery? Because let me tell you, when you're, you all have been in the, the, that shoes, in, in those shoes, when something's going on big, you get to thinking about, how am I going to cut the grass? How am I going to mow the yard? How am I going to cook meals? What can we do to help? Brother Sam, on Wednesday, we could call Brother Sam and say, Brother Sam, I want to say a special prayer for you right now before you have your surgery tomorrow. And something we could do if we know Brother Sam's going to have heart surgery on that Sunday, let's call Brother Sam to the front of the church and put our hands on him and let's pray for him in that way. That we, we Just be with each other. And then on Friday, after Brother Sam has his surgery, we ought to check on him. <coughs> and keep on checking. Because can I let y'all in on a little secret? If somebody goes through hard times, if somebody loses a loved one, if somebody's having difficulty, they have difficulty beyond the funeral. They have difficulty beyond the day they're operated on. We need to check on them later too, amen? We need to bear each other's burdens. We need to care. And, and I'm not fussing at any, because we do, I think, a good job with that. If, if we know about a need at Old New Hope, we meet it. Uh, you guys made a terrific impression on my mom. My mom is as uh, staunch a Church of Christ member. I grew up in, in that church. And when we had Ann's funeral here and the meal that you fixed for all of us at the, after that funeral, my mom says, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. You all made such an impression on her for, as God-fearing. We never know what we do when we bear each other's burdens, right? When we take the time to care. And you know what? It does take time. And we may have to give up doing one thing to do something else. And y'all, I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. But it's not just the pastor's job, amen? It's all of our jobs as members of the church. We're family. And we need to bear each other's burdens. But also in this book of Galatians, Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Not only are we to help each other in times of trouble, as members of a local church, we're also to hold each other accountable. Well, what does that mean? That means if I see Brother Mike out in the middle of Highway 96. I don't just drive by and say, have a nice day, Brother Mike. I stop and I grab Brother Mike and say, Brother Mike, we need to get out of the middle of Highway 96. You're liable to get run over. Now that's a humorous statement. But sometimes we see each other going down a path maybe we shouldn't take. Going down a road we shouldn't go. Maybe doing something we ought not do. We have an obligation as a church family to try to help bring that person back. Not in a judgmental, I told you so, and da-da-da-da-da. But notice how Paul words this. Because he knows how we humans tend to do. Paul says, brethren, if a man who is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. 
We need to restore. We need to hold each other accountable. You need to hold me accountable for what I teach and preach. Make sure what I teach and preach is from Scripture. I try to give Scripture with what I teach. And if I don't read the Scripture, I'll give you the Scripture so we can go back and you can read it later. I'm not making it up as I go along. But what he says is, if we know our brother and sister, here's a question. If your physical brother or sister got addicted on drugs, they got addicted to drugs, and they were trying to come off of it and get clean, and they were hanging around folks that were on the fringe of that drug activity, would you tell your brother or sister, you know, that's probably not a real good idea for you to hang around them? We'd tell them, wouldn't we? Why? Because we love them. We don't want to see them go back into that lifestyle. If we would do that to our physical brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers, why are we so hesitant to try to help each other spiritually? And I think it's because we don't want somebody to think, well, it's not my place to tell them. Lord knows I have my own troubles. And we do. That's what Paul says here. He says, if you see somebody doing something they ought not do, go talk to them about it, but be gentle. And understand that you could be there as well. And that's what a local church does, y'all. When we laugh together, we laugh together. When we eat chicken together, we eat chicken together. When we worship and we sing and we sing praises to God, we worship and sing and sing praises to God. When we study God's word, we study God's word. We cry with one another, we laugh with one another, we clap with one another, and we help one another and we help hold each other accountable. When Ann and I first got married, I had a really bad habit of not putting my dirty clothes in the dirty clothes hamper. And I still do that some, but I'm okay with that now, I think. But the way I learned that lesson is, one day I didn't have any clean underwear left. And so I wasn't told Ann about it. After all, it's her job to clean my clothes, right? You know, she told, you know what she told me? She said, listen, buddy. And she, that's exactly the word she said. She said, listen, buddy. If you want clean underwear, you put your dirty underwear in the clothes hamper, and then I'll wash it. She held me accountable. When our children are growing up, do we hold them accountable? Part of the reason our world's in the shape it's in is because we've lost all accountability, right? We talked about that in our Sunday school classes today. Part of being a church family is to hold each other accountable, not because we're trying to be the spiritual police, not because we think we're better than somebody else, but very simply for the same reason I would go get Mike out of the middle of Highway 96 because he's liable to get run over and could kill him physically. When we're participating in doing things that we ought not be doing as Christians, we need to help our brothers and sisters. Once again, not in a spirit of haughtiness, but in a way of helping them understand, don't you know that this lifestyle, you can't grow closer to God with this kind of lifestyle. Because if you notice all those things we read about in Acts 2, prayer, breaking bread, truth, fellowship, sharing, all of those things are things that bring us closer to God, right? They bring us closer to God and closer <laughs> to each other. Sin and a sinful lifestyle take away from those things. As Christians, we don't have 
things in common with those folks. Something else we need to do. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. get to 1 Corinthians instead of Romans, it might look like the scripture I want to read. There we go, that looks right. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the church of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So as a local church, one reason reasons why we should join the church, the things we should be doing as a local church, we need to continue steadfastly the apostles' doctrine, continue steadfastly in fellowship, continue steadfastly in the breaking of bread and prayers, to help each other in times of trouble, to hold each other accountable, and also to help financially with kingdom work. Uh, there are things that we are told to do as a local church. And part of that is to spread. Our purpose as a local church is to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. Does everybody agree with me with that? That's why we're here is try to reach. Now, we do that. We, we're also here too for us. But the reason we are here is for them. And it takes finances to be able to do outreach. It takes finances to pay the light bill. It takes finances to fix the heat pump when the heat pump goes out. Now, sometimes we get blessed and the heat pump goes out and the heat pump guys say, this is on us this time. Because they know when the heat pump really goes out, we'll buy a new one from them. But it takes money to do these things. You people say, a lot of people say, I've heard folks say, well, you Baptists, y'all always collecting for something. You know what? Yes, we are. You know why? Because it's not the money we have is not ours; it's God's. Every dollar that that we, and I know that we go to work and we work hard for our money, and we we in our minds we earn our money and we do. But who gives you the strength every day to get up and go to work? Who gave you the intellect to learn what you learned so that you could provide for your family? God, right? So, in a very real sense, all that we have belongs to Him. And we need to give part of that back to him. Now, I'm not going to preach on that too long because I think this church is a very good tithing church. And I, I appreciate what you all do. And, and I don't, you, you won't hear me very often get up and talk about giving because uh, here's the way I feel about this. I can be pretty persuasive with something and I can make you feel guilty about not giving. But if you're, get, if you're giving because I'm making you feel guilty about it, you're missing the blessing, amen? What I want to try to do is to teach why we give and how much we've been blessed, and it's just an opportunity. If, if I can teach and we can learn, and if I can learn that it all belongs to God anyway, it's no big deal to give him a portion of it back. But that's something we're supposed to do as a local church is to give financially to support the church. 
And then also we need to be busy. And finally, we need to be busy with kingdom work. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Verse 18, beginning Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, for, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We look at that and we call that the Great Commission, and that's the purpose of the church, is to go into our world and make disciples. Now, part of making disciples is those of us as members, it's my job as a pastor and teacher to lay that foundation with you, to ground you in truth, and to teach you what it, how to grow up as a Christian, so that not so that you can keep it all to yourselves, but so that you can go and teach other people, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. Because, y'all, I'm not real smart, but... If you put a male sheep and a female sheep in a field and you make sure that they have plenty to eat and you make sure they have plenty to drink and you make sure that the coyotes stay away, what are you going to get when you put male and a female sheep in a pen? You're going to get more sheep, right? Sheep make sheep. Would we say that's a biological principle? Would everybody agree with me about that? If you put, you know, cows make cows, horses make horses, sheep make sheep. You know one thing I've never seen? A shepherd does not make sheep. A shepherd provides the atmosphere for the sheep to be healthy sheep so that they can make sheep. Why should you be part of old new hope? Because we are working together as a group of God's people together. We live in this community close by, close enough. Now, the advent of the car, used to everybody in your church will live within three or four miles of the church because everybody lived here. With the advent of the automobile, distance isn't such a big deal anymore. But we live in this general area, and we've agreed to come together to do the things God wants us to do as a local church. But can I remember that church membership makes a statement. It's say, just like we're baptized. Just baptism won't save us. But we are baptized to say, I belong to Christ. You say, why should I join Old New Hope? So you can say, I belong. That, that's my family. I belong there. That's my faith family. That, they're my people. Has everybody got your people? Don't we all have our peeps, people say? Well, our, our, that's our, we're our people. And can I tell you, the church is not an it. The church isn't us. When we look at Old New Hope Baptist Church, it's not an it down the road. The Old New Hope Baptist Church is us. And it's not only us on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. It's us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday when we go to work, when we go to Food Saver. When we go to the ball game, we go to horseback riding, we go to baseball, whatever it is we do, we are old new hope, y'all. 
It's an us. And Old New Hope Baptist Church is not about sticks and stones. It's about flesh and bones. It's us. It's the people. All of us together under the headship of Jesus Christ make up the church here. And can I say this before I quit? And I know I'm going a little bit over time this morning. But can I say this? There's no such thing as a perfect church. Would you all agree with me with that? Amen. You know why there's no such thing as a perfect church? It's because the church is made up of people and none of us are perfect. And I'll tell you what we, all, what we are. Somebody said if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. I tell you what we are, and I've been part of this church long enough that I can back, and I tell anybody that'll listen, and I may grab them and make them listen sometime. To anybody that'll hear me, I'll say this. The people here that make up Old New Hope love each other, they care about each other. They're not perfect, but they love Jesus and they love each other, and that's what a local church is all about. How do you join Old New Hope? Very simply, three ways. It's not complicated. First, you could join in by baptism. If you've never been baptized, once again, baptism won't save you, but baptism is an identification. Uh, when we baptize someone, we unless they tell us they're going to join another church, and I had that happen one time in church I was pastoring. Uh, we were having a baptism that Sunday, and I asked, is there anybody else that needs to be baptized? And this fellow said, I need to be. He said, but I live in Washington, D.C., I said, what do you do? He says, I work for the government. I said, you probably need to be baptized. <laughs> I kidded with him a little bit. But I asked him, I said, are you a born-again believer? He said, I am, and I've never been baptized. And he said, you preached a message on baptism. And so he made it very clear. He was, we baptized him, and he went to another church in Washington. And I, when he left, I gave him a certificate of baptism that said that he was baptized. And so, so by baptism. A second way you can join Old New Hope is what we call by transfer of membership or by letter. If you're a member of a church, uh, another church, you can act, write back and ask that church clerk to send us a letter, and, and they will do that. Sometimes when folks leave Old New Hope and go somewhere else, we will write a letter for them. That's just part of the way church life works. And then the third way is by statement of faith. And all that simply means is if you've been baptized in the past, but you haven't been a member of a church before, or you've never, uh, it's been a long, long time, and you don't know whether they even have, they might not even remember you from 40 years ago when you were a member at Pondwater Baptist Church. That's okay. Because if you've noticed the last few folks that have placed membership with us, I very simply ask two questions. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? And have you been baptized? And if you have, that's called a statement of faith. 